Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today we are going to continue this incredible series entitled Dominion. Would you say that word with me? Say Dominion. And I'm so excited about this topic because I actually believe that this topic, dominion, is what we need. It's the key to unleashing what's been lacking in our lives. And I think understanding our God-given authority as a child of God is going to be what propels us actually to be where God wants us to be. You know, but yet dominion, this whole subject, um, I think it's really misunderstood in the body of Christ. And maybe just because it's, it's just a strong word and it's not a politically correct word dominion come on say it you gotta you gotta get comfortable with saying it and I think because it's just misunderstood that it's the reason that so many Christians are living in a weak and broken down state and how many of you know that's exactly where the enemy wants you to be because if you realize who you are then you can realize what you can do can I hear a good amen today and we God wants to empower us I'm telling you what I I'm just so tired of hearing all the things that the world is doing, all the stuff. And I'm like, where's the church? Come on. Where's the church of Jesus Christ? Let's rise up. Let's be more creative than Taylor Swift. Come on, somebody. Let's do some things. Let's reach some people for the gospel of the kingdom of God right here in this little old town of Marietta. Where's the church? But a lot of us don't understand dominion. And yet God has given us this abundant life Jesus came to give us. But listen, just because Jesus gave it to us doesn't mean that people are walking in it. We've got to take hold of it to make it our reality. Can I hear a good amen today? And so God felt that dominion was so important for his children that we read last week in Genesis chapter 1, right in the Garden of Eden. Remember, we gave you the definition of what Eden means in the original text. It means pleasure. It means luxury. It means delight. Could you all turn me down just a little bit? I'd appreciate that. Um, It means pleasure. It means delight. The root word of Eden means the house of delight. I don't know about you, but when I see creation, I see the the goodness of God, where he put his children, Adam and Eve. The word Eden means to enjoy oneself in a luxurious way. So God felt that dominion was crucial to guarding their garden. We have to guard the goodness of God. How many of you still believe that even though we live in an evil world, that we serve a good God, right? And he is good and he does good. But the word dominion means to rule means to dominate, to tread down, to prevail against. Now, what I want us to understand as children of God is that dominion is actually in your DNA. Say that with me. Say it's in my DNA. And last week we learned because Adam and Eve chose to be disobedient instead of exercise their dominion, they lost it. And the reason why the enemy is running rapid today is because of the dominion that was lost. But how many of you know, because Adam and Eve gave over that dominion, that's what empowers the enemy. See, the enemy only has power if you allow him to in your life. But Jesus didn't just leave us there. How many of you know in the New Testament, Jesus bought back and redeemed us. Romans chapter five, verse 17 says, if by one man's offense, death reigned through one, much more, come on, say that with me, say much more. 
Much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through Christ Jesus. So it's not just a reigning in life through Phil Valdez, I'm reigning. No, it's a reigning in life through who? Through Jesus Christ. We cannot reign through the first Adam, right? But Jesus is called the last Adam and we reign through the last Adam because what the first Adam couldn't do, the second Adam accomplished. Come on, somebody. And so we reign through Jesus Christ. And so today, if you're taking notes, I've entitled today's message, Receive Before You Achieve. Let me say that again. Receive before you achieve. Dominion was not given to us to dominate people. I'm going to talk about this later. The Bible does say that we are in a spiritual battle. The Bible says that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. But just as God uses people, how many of you know the devil uses people as well? And so although he can use a person, our battle goes much deeper than the surface. But God did not give us dominion to dominate over people. He gave us dominion to dominate over sin, over temptation, Satan, and all the things that he tries to bring into our lives. And today what I wanted to do as we, we, we just are continuing to lay a foundation today, I want to talk about dominion over sin. Why? Because so many people, I believe, when it comes to this subject and we talk about exercising dominion, in their heart, they start to believe, well, I'm just not worthy to have dominion. I'm just not worthy to have the authority that God wants us to have. No, we are not worthy, but Jesus, through what he did, through his finished work, makes us worthy. Can I hear a good amen today? And so the good news is there's victory over sin, and there's victory over temptation. Listen, there is victory over any addiction that anybody can face. And I'm telling you, I'm living proof that we can experience victory over attitudes, over anger, that, that bursts of anger that people have all the time. And these things, you can walk in victory over temptation and over sin. Does anybody believe that today? And I really believe that today's actually going to set us free because I think what can happen in our lives is that we can come to a place where we don't really get or give serious thought to kind of why things are the way in our lives. I think it's actually so easy to fall into this pattern of thinking that, well, this just is how the world is. You know, the world's evil, Phil. The world's evil. I get it. And then we fall into this pattern of thinking, well, the world's evil, and then, you know, I got some things I need to overcome, but it's just kind of the way I am. You know, it's kind of, have you ever heard people say that? To me, that is the worst excuse. No, you can change the way you are through the power of God's grace, right? So that to me is not just, that's just the way our family is. I want to know how is Jesus, because we're not just supposed to be how our family is. We are supposed to be conformed to the image of his son. Oh, you're good today. They made the coffee strong this morning in the lobby. I was telling somebody who's complaining last week, like, man, the coffee was a little strong. I, I said, I know, but people were like really amening in the service. So come on, let's make that coffee strong. <laughs> I appreciate everybody who did that and, and served. 
But I don't want to just live just this is the way I am. I want to live according to God and how he says that I can. Because you know what? I know that God has a great life for me. Say that with me. God has a great life for me. And I get excited about this because it doesn't matter the color of your skin, your social status. It doesn't matter who you are. It matters that you are a child of God and that it's through your faith by accepting Jesus that you become a child of God. And God has a great life for you. And we got to believe that. But we can't just come into this whole, you know, one of the statements that I cannot stand. It's my pet peeve when people say that's just, well, it is what it is. No, let's change it. It doesn't have to be that way, but you can live with that. Well, the world is just the way it is. Yeah, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And you and I are called to change the world, but the change has to start. And yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. Come on, put your hand on your chest and say the change has to start here. Change has to start with me. We have to chart. We have to be a, we have to be different before we make a difference. We have to do that. And I believe that today is going to help us. But, you know, the abundant life has been given and dominion has been given, but it has to become a reality in our life. And so like in our life, I think we can just even, you know, live on a surface level or even read the Bible. When we read the Bible, we just read surface level. I'm going to tell you something about our church. And if you're here for the first time, I love you. But this isn't a, 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 you're not going to hear messages about the maps in the Bible here, right? And I'll give you context. We will definitely look at the context of scripture. But listen, I don't believe that Sunday is supposed to be a history lesson every week of, you know, well, Paul went on 40 mission. Well, great. How does that help you tomorrow when you go to work? I want you to take the Bible and it become flesh in your life. The word becoming flesh. So tomorrow when you wake up, you can stand in victory. And that's our policy here. If you can't use it on Monday, we don't share it on Sunday. I just want to, you know, you can find all history and all that. I'll give you some history when it's pertinent to what we're talking about today. But I think that you can just read the Bible and go, mm-hmm, that's good. Oh, yeah, dominion. Oh, that's good. You know, I, I, I like that. And, oh, you know, there's a Satan. Oh, there's a Satan. Okay, okay, yeah, mm-hmm. And we can be surface level, but yet the Bible tells us there's a spiritual battle going on. And we're going to get into this a little bit more about the spiritual battle. There is an enemy and he wants to steal, kill and destroy. Just like Adam and Eve were enjoying the Garden of Eden. He's not going to sit back and watch you enjoy the life that God has for you. Can I tell you why? Number one, he hates God, but he can't destroy God. So you know what he's going to do? He's going to come to the next best thing. He's going to come to his creation that is made in the image and the likeness of God. And so he's going to try to destroy you because he knows it breaks God's heart. He knows. So we're in a spiritual battle. And the Bible says that the enemy is seeking whom he may devour. I just want to, I'm just prefacing some things because I talk to a lot of people and I talk to some people that are introverted and they just want life. They just wish that life was good and they wish that there was no evil in the world. Man, I wish that too. But that's not the reality of it is. Pastor Phil, you know, I just don't like conflict. I just don't. I don't like conflict either. As a matter of fact, if you were to tell me, I love conflict, I'd be like, whoa, dude. But the enemy doesn't care whether you like conflict or not. He is going to come and he's seeking whom he may devour. And the question is, he's devouring people that do not know how to use the dominion that God has given them. And so we've got to know, we've got to stand up to the enemy. Can I just tell you, if the enemy was brave enough to confront Jesus in the wilderness, he's going to be brave enough to come to you in your house. 
Do you think the enemy wants you to have a beautiful marriage? Do you think the, the enemy wants you to raise incredible kids for God? Heck no. No. He wants to, I almost said hell no, you know, but it's true because that's what he wants. He wants hell in your life. We can use that in the context of the Bible. I went to a church today and the pastor was cussing. I'm going back. No, I'm just kidding. But the only way that he can enter into our lives is that we understand or we give him access. That's why 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says, least Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. So what does the enemy do? Let, let, let's dive into this. Let's expose his plans today by bringing the truth. Because how many of you know truth unlocks freedom? The truth that you know will unlock freedom. How many of you like to walk in freedom, right? So here's what he does. Let's break this down. He brings temptation. James chapter one, verse 14, it says this, but every man is tempted. Every person is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and he is enticed. Then when his lust is conceived, it brings forth sin and sin when it is finished brings forth death. I want to highlight today. I want to bring to light today that all of us are tempted. All of us. If you go to a church and the pastor says he's not tempted, don't go back to that church because he just lied to you. I'm tempted. Now, what entices me and lust for me? See, some people lust out of other, over, over other people. Some people lust out of material things. This can be a huge thing. But let me just put this out there. See, lust always starts in your emotions, right? It starts in your thought life. And so everybody's tempted. You're not the only one. But I want to really be methodical about this because some people, as soon as they're tempted, they're like, <gasps> I sinned. No, temptation is not a sin. How do we know that? Because Jesus never sinned, but Jesus was tempted. So don't get all weird when you're like, <gasps> you know, because what tempts you doesn't tempt me. But yet I know when the enemy comes to tempt me that that's, I can already start to feel guilty. Like, how am I tempted by that? But I just want to tell you that's you, temptation is not a sin. What is a sin is that when you give in to that temptation, but because you came to Passion Life Church today, you're going to learn about how the enemy works and dominion, and you are going to overcome in Jesus' name. So what is the temptation that, G, that, that the enemy brings? Well, I was looking at and just reading about how the enemy came to Jesus. Jesus had just finished being baptized and he went into the wilderness and the enemy came to Jesus. Why is it important that we know this? Because Jesus had to face temptation because he came to this earth to show you how you could be supernaturally human. That you could be human, you could be, human, you could be a citizen of earth and also be a citizen of heaven. But see, you are a citizen of heaven. But what was the temptation that the enemy came with for Jesus? It was all about identity. Everybody say identity. Jesus' temptation, in essence, listen to this, it was the same temptation for Adam and Eve. What was it? The temptation for Jesus was for him to be who he already was. If you are the son of God. Hello, he's the son of God. How do I know that? I know that, look how good the Father is, because when Jesus was baptized, right, the Bible says that the heavens opened up and the Father said, I don't know how you think the Father talks. This is my beloved Son, whom I am well pleased. 
Or like, I don't know, if you watch The Chosen or something, like, this is my beloved son. My beloved son, who I am well pleased. Jesus had not done one miracle or anything. But watch, God affirms him because in the next chapter, he's going to be questioned about his identity. So God told him, you are my beloved son. And the enemy comes and he says, if you are the son of God. This is why it's so important that you know who you are. Because Jesus knew his identity. He knew who he was. Can I just tell you, the enemy can't steal. Listen, he can't steal what you don't have. Watch, watch this, watch this. Are you ready? Why is he trying to steal your joy? Because you got it. Why is he trying to steal your peace? Because you have peace. Why is he trying to steal your health? Because you have health. Why is he trying to steal your patience? Because you have it. You just haven't tapped into it. We as Christians have joy, which is the fruit of the spirit in our life and should be operating in our life. That's why the Bible says, let no one steal your joy. He cannot steal what you do not have. So the very essence of him trying to steal it means you have it. So you can't say, no, I just don't have joy. No, you got it. Come on, say, I got it. We just got to learn how to walk in it. He has, you have faith. It's a part of the gifts of the spirit. The Bible says this. Uh, it's a part of the, the fruit of the spirit. The Bible also says this, that every person is given a measure of faith. So why does he come against you? He tries to come against you to prove, listen, I think this, this, is, this is important. This is what he did to Jesus. He wanted Jesus by disobedience to prove who he already was. To if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, look, this is what the snake told Eve. If you eat this fruit, you will be like God. Hello. They were already like God. Can I just tell you today? You don't have to prove that you were made in the image and likeness of God. You don't have to prove to anybody that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. But when you don't know who you are, you try to prove it. And that's why so many people put themselves on the discount rack and they sell themselves and they're out partying, they're out doing their thing because they need somebody's affirmation to tell them who they already are. And I came to tell you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made that God valued you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross for you. You don't have to prove anything. So the, take, the snake told Eve, are you learning something today? I, I'm breaking this down because I think it's so important because as we start to talk about and go into a deeper dimension of dominion, you have a foundation. The snake told Eve, if you'll eat this fruit, right? Now, listen, this is important. It didn't start with eating for them. It didn't start with eating for Adam and Eve. It started by looking at the tree. Genesis chapter three, verse six, chapter three, verse six says, and when the woman saw the tree, when she saw the tree was good for fruit, for food, then it was pleasant to her eyes and it was desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and she ate it. So she gave also to her husband. And this, this to me is always an interesting thing because, you know, I mean, I, I just, I'm like Adam. Adam was just like, he could not win. You have a naked woman next to you offering you fruit. I mean, most men are going to be like, yeah. So 
Some of you act like, no, I'm not going to go into it. And he ate. But notice what James chapter 1, verse 14 says, right? But every man is tempted when he is drawn away from his own lust and enticed. So what she did is she started to see the tree. She started to desire it. So the Bible says Eve was deceived. What does that mean? It means simply this. Eve believed a lie. What was the lie that Eve believed? Listen to this, because I think this is applicable for us today. What is the lie that she believed? That a tree and a fruit could make her to be something that she desired to be, yet already was. Is that too deep this morning? See, only God could do that, but she shifted her focus. She disobeyed God to get a life that she already had. The only thing that was different that God didn't want them to have was to know evil. So when people talk to me about evil and God, God never wanted man to know evil, but he had to give us a choice. So he brings temptation and then they sin. The Bible says they ate. And I want to tell you this because it's important to know. Here's the result. Sin brings shame. Because of the guilt and the shame, Adam and Eve are hiding, hiding. Listen, Listen to this. When I think about it, even when I say it, they're hiding from who? their beautiful creator. They're hiding from their father. They're hiding from the source of unconditional love. They would walk with God in the cool of the day, and now they're hiding. And when God came, the Bible says they were hiding behind some trees. And God said, Adam, where are you? There's a message in there. Notice he didn't ask Eve. He asked the man. Hey, Adam, Where are you? Phil, how's your marriage? He's not asking my wife, he's asking me. He asks Adam, where are you? Can I ask you that today? Where are you today? Are you living in dominion? Or are you living in shame? Are you living in freedom today? Or are you living bound by sin? Now, here's the tendency that we respond by. What did Adam and Eve do? They covered themselves. The Bible says they sowed fig leaves. This is important. They sowed fig leaves. Why? To cover their own sin. Now, here's what you need to understand about fig leaves. Fig leaves in the Bible represents self-covering. It represents, let me say it this way, self-righteousness, right? They attempted to cover their own sin. Do you remember when Jesus was walking and he saw the the fig tree and it had no fruit on it? What did he do? He cursed the fig tree and it died. What was Jesus doing? Jesus was saying that there is no fruit in self-righteousness. He is our savior. You don't need to be your own savior. And he cursed it, right? Self-righteousness keeps people in the same sin cycle. So when we want victory over sin, our focus here, what can happen is we start focusing on achieving. Come on, everybody say achieving. We want victory. So we got to achieve, right? So what happens is we can really, if we're not careful, listen, we slip into a pattern of works, of works to cover ourselves. It's self-righteousness. We try real hard in our own self-effort, what, to break free. And so when we don't advance because we can't overcome the sin, guess what happens? We stay in the sin cycle and then it gets frustrating and you want to quit. I know this. I've been here. 
What I'm teaching you today, I'm actually walking in. And I'm telling you why I'm teaching you today. Not just because it's in the Bible, because it works. Can I hear a good amen today? And so this is important. With God, the order is not achieving first. With God, number one, we receive before we achieve. Listen, this is going to help you. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Much more those who what? Receive. Everybody say that. Receive. I love this. Notice it doesn't just say grace. It says the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Grace is a gift. Righteousness is a gift. So those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, what will they do? Will they be wimpy? No, they're going to reign in life through Jesus Christ. So if I am going to break through a cycle of sin, there's a believing, there's a receiving before I achieve breakthrough. What do I have to receive? I have to receive his abundant grace. What does that do? That takes the focus off of me and it puts it on him. See off. Yeah. You can give the Lord a good round of applause. Oftentimes when people get into a sin cycle, it always becomes just about them. I can't break through the, man, this thing is tough, man. I don't know what I got to do. I know what you got to do. You got to let go and you got to surrender and you got to receive his abundant grace. You cannot earn righteousness. Righteousness is given by God's grace. What is grace? Do you know in the original, in the original Greek, one of the first thing it says about grace is it's a benefit. God gives sinful people grace. Grace is never earned. Actually, grace is undeserved. It's unearned, unmerited favor. Listen, so what is our response? Our response is to receive that. Now, prideful people don't receive grace because they are self-righteous. They believe they can do it. They believe they are a self-made person. But I want you to hear this. And I hope you get this in your spirit today. It's undeserved favor. Undeserved favor. I know you look pretty today. I know you are amazing. And some of you in this room are very high achievers. You are a personality, but you still cannot receive, you still cannot earn God's grace. This is important. Why is it important? The Pharisees, when Jesus lived on the earth, listen, they lived in a deserved favor. What does that mean? They thought that by keeping the law, which they really didn't keep anyway, because Jesus looked at them and saw inside of them, they didn't really keep, but they walked around and they lived in a deserved favor because of their works. But you and I are in under an undeserved favor. And I'm here to tell you today, I'm okay with telling you I'm undeserved. I'm under undeserved favor because I didn't deserve it. Can I hear a good amen today? Amen. So you receive grace by faith. It, it's, it's, it's that simple. It's, it's that simple. You know, what's interesting to me is that they used to get upset at Jesus because he hung around with sinners. Now, Jesus, I need to preface this because there's teenagers in the room and they'll go home and they have friends that are not really living the right way and they'll tell and use this as to their parents. Well, Jesus hung out with sinners. 
Yeah, but you have to understand why. And he didn't hang out with them all the time. He had disciples who he, were his close friends. Then he had covenant friends, Peter, James, and John, even out of that group. But he loved people. But here's one of the things that the sinners got that the Pharisees didn't. The sinners loved to receive things from Jesus. They would pull on him. He always went where people were pulling on him. See, the Sadducees and the Pharisees didn't pull on Jesus. Think about it. They had Jesus in the flesh, but they thought because of their own works, they were holy and that they could get that through the law. They were, lived in a deserved favor. Watch this. That's why when Jesus is walking, how many of you ever heard the story of Zacchaeus? Ever heard the story of Zacchaeus? This, this is amazing to me uh, because Jesus is walking and he's coming through Jericho. And the Bible says that this guy who was vertically challenged, come on, let me say it that way. Is that politically correct? He was vertically challenged. That means he was short. Anyway, and so he couldn't see Jesus. But the problem with him is nobody liked him because he was a tax collector. And so the Bible says he was a chief tax collector and he used to steal from people. But he wanted to see Jesus. Everybody say, see Jesus. So what he does is he runs, he hears Jesus is coming, and he climbs up a tree. Well, this to me is so interesting because the Bible is never insignificant. It's always significant. The Bible says that he climbed a mulberry tree to see Jesus. What's a mulberry tree? Are you ready? A mulberry tree is a tree, a fig leaf tree. Do you want to know what Zacchaeus' name is? Are you ready for this? Zacchaeus' name in the literal is pure. What? A guy who is cheating, a guy who people don't like, he's stealing, but yet who he really is, his name is pure. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for some revelation today? Or do you want me to read the maps? So he gets up on the fig tree, what do we say the fig tree represents? Self-righteousness. So here is a man who could not see Jesus. Purity, listen, doesn't hide behind self-righteousness. Adam and Eve were hiding in the trees, but purity always goes up and reveals itself. This was a man who was a sinner, but he, instead of hiding behind self-righteousness and the fig tree, he actually climbs of it just to see Jesus. He says, Jesus, I want you to see me. I'm not hiding anything. Here I am. And you know what? Jesus sees him and says, listen, Zacchaeus, I am coming to your house today. One encounter with the grace of God turns a criminal into a generous person because Mr. Purity, Zacchaeus, tells Jesus, I'm going to give half of what I own to the poor, and I'm going to pay back every single person that I stole from four times. There's more. You want to hear it? The word for see, Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, is the same Greek word that Jesus said, I came to seek the lost. So while <laughs> Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus, 
Jesus wanted to see Zacchaeus. And it's amazing to me because the Holy Spirit had already been working in Zacchaeus's heart. He could have hid, but he actually revealed himself. That's what purity is. Purity is transparent. Purity is pure. He didn't hide behind self-righteous. He actually exposed himself to Jesus and said, here I am. So a criminal named Zacchaeus, but his real name is Purity, you can't get that by hiding in the trees. You can only get that with an encounter with Jesus, who the Bible says is grace. Only Jesus can make us pure. That's a lot there, huh? It's not, there's nothing insignificant in the Bible. And the whole time Zacchaeus wanted to be pure, Jesus was seeking him. And I want to tell you today, because I don't know where you're at. I don't know the struggle. I don't know what you're dealing with. But Jesus is seeking you. Why? Because he wants to make you who he made you to be. And that is pure in his sight. Come on, give him a good round of applause. But we can't hide behind self-righteousness. Self-righteousness, in essence, covers. And today, the first step that we have to do is just admit that we need grace. We need to admit, hey, in this area, I'm just missing it. you got to be honest with yourself. You say, Pastor Phil, you're talking about dominion today. What does this really have to do with grace? I am so glad you asked me that today. I always tell people we have such a smart and intelligent congregation because of this scripture right here. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. Are you ready? For sin shall not have dominion. Sounds like a great series. Shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under what? Come on, say you are under what? You and I, ladies and gentlemen, we are not living before the cross. We are living after the finished work of Jesus Christ. Can I hear a good amen today? You and I are under a better covenant. We are under the new covenant when Jesus shed his blood. So listen, in the Old Testament, right, when the children of Israel were coming out of Egypt, God treated them by his goodness, not their badness right? But they said in their heart, there's a scripture where they said, God, anything that you said we can do. And God took that as, oh, okay. So you can live a life without me. I want to tell you something. God will never give you a life where he's unnecessary. And they said, we can live basically without you. So you know what God said? Here's the law. All the law does is show you it's a mirror. It doesn't tell you how to live. It just shows you your spiritual pimples. It just shows you your spiritual acne, right? What does the law say? Do not commit adultery. Does the law say love your wife? No, it just tells you what not to do. And you know, you, a lot of churches build on that. They build on, don't do this, don't do that. And every week I could beat you up over the head and you could feel worse than when you came in because you already know, you already know what's going on. But listen, we are not under the law. We are under grace. And the Bible says that people who understand grace and walk in it, what do they do? They walk in dominion over sin. Sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under the law. You are under grace. Dominion here means to exercise influence on, to have power over. 
right? Listen, so sin cannot rule your life. I don't care if people say, once an addict, always an addict. That ain't the Bible. So you better be careful what you listen to. Once an addict, always, no. Once I'm under grace, sin doesn't have dominion over me anymore. You know, I like to look up these words. So I was like, what does under mean, right? Under means this, the agency or means through. So sin shall not have dominion over you for you are not under law, but under grace. Grace, watch this, is the agency for dominion over sin. So sin is dominating people who in their own self-righteousness are saying and own self-will, I can do this, I can overcome. No, you can't. Only by his grace. Would you say that with me? Only by his grace. But those who have received his grace, sin will not have dominion over you. So here's the question. Pastor Phil, how do I know if I'm walking in the grace of God? Sin does not have dominion over you. The areas that you're still struggling in are the areas that you have not allowed God's grace to penetrate. I know, Pastor Phil, but you don't know what I'm dealing with. It's dirty. I know. But his grace is for the undeserved. You don't earn it. You receive it. That's where our pride gets involved. Have you ever had those people? And you will meet them because Christmas is coming, right? I don't receive gifts. I don't like it. If you have a problem receiving, you'll have a problem giving because there's a cycle. When somebody comes up and blesses me, sometimes I'm just, I, I'm just like, wow. But I've had to learn how to receive and say, thank you for that. Sometimes people bless me in a way that I'm just like, Whoa. And sometimes I just want to go, no, don't, don't give me that. But I've had to learn and put my pride down and say, thank you for this. And this will blow your mind because you go, Pastor Phil, I'm, I'm, I'm doing things that God's angry with. And, and can I just tell you, God loves sinners. He just doesn't love the sin. And so he gives you the grace. Why? The Bible actually even says this, that grace will teach you to say no to unrighteousness. That's why whatever you're dealing with, whenever you make a mistake, whenever you have an addiction problem, as soon as you do what you do, you say this, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Not once an addict, always an addict. No, whenever you mess up, you say, God, I thank you for your grace, your forgiveness, but I am a child of God. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have received the gift of righteousness. We're going to talk about the power of words here, but you know what you are doing? You are proclaiming who God says you are. You are closing the door to the accuser. If you can lose your salvation over one sin, my church family, it's not a great salvation. Right? And we're all tempted. We all make mistakes. But here's what I found. When I have come under the fountain of his grace, my attitude has changed. You know what? I'm not dealing with the same thing. And I'll tell you what, this, God can even actually take away that desire that you don't even desire it anymore. He can do it. He can do it. So we have dominion, how? By his abundant grace. Here's number two for today. Dominion is a gift from God. 
dominion flows through God's grace. Hear that. Hear it. Hear it. Listen, I didn't earn. Everybody look at me. I'm going somewhere. We're going somewhere with this series, but I I need to talk about this today. Listen, I didn't earn God's dominion. He gave it to me. And I receive it by faith. Because I know there's this other side. I'm going to dominate. Yeah. Yeah, we are, devil. But because God has given me dominion. Can I hear a good amen today? Why is this so important? Listen, you don't need to deserve dominion to use it. You just have to receive it. I'm going to say that again, right? You don't need to deserve dominion to use it. You have to receive it. Why is this so important? Because as we get into deeper dimensions of dominion, here's the question that people ask. Who do you think you are to have dominion? Huh. Who do you think you are to talk like that? Oh, really? You're going to command sickness and disease? Only God can do that. Who do you think you are? Ha, I didn't deserve dominion. He gave it to me. It's not only in the Old Testament, but it's actually in the New Testament because God thought was forgiveness was important, salvation was important, but he also thought that you and I should have dominion. Can I hear a good amen today? And so I receive what Jesus has done on the cross. Here's the last couple of scriptures, Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. Because I am forgiven, Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, having wiped out the handwriting requirements that was against us. Anything that the enemy tries to remind you of, accuse you of, because of Jesus on the cross, it has been wiped out against you, which was contrary to us. Watch. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. What did Jesus do? He disarmed principalities and powers, and he made a public spectacle and triumph over them. Here's number three, and we close. The dominion of Jesus disarms the enemy. This word disarms means it strips him of his power. I'm going to tell you, when people say the enemy is so powerful, he's powerful because people lack dominion and give them give him access into their life why is this important everybody look at me you cannot play both sides you cannot give the enemy access to your life through open doors and then say well I'm going to exercise dominion what we're talking about today through God's grace is closing every single door understanding that you are forgiven and understand that he is disarmed and the what Jesus has done on the cross disarmed the enemy stripped of his power last scripture Psalms 8 5 for you have made him a little lower than the angels. The real translation there is, we have been made lo- a little lower than God. We've been made in his image. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. You have made him to have dominion over the works of your hand. Listen to this. And you have put all things. Everybody say that. All things. All things under his feet. Check it out. You know what I just did? I just looked at the devil because that's where he's at. He's under my feet. You want to know where he's at? Right there. 
See that? That's where he's at. For some of you wearing Nikes today, the devil has a big old Nike icon on his face because he is under your feet. Listen, my church family, don't let him rise up. Don't let him stand up. He knows his place. He's already disarmed. Don't arm him with your thoughts. Don't arm him with these things, with fear. He is a defeated foe. Can I hear a good amen today? And so here's what we're supposed to do. God has given us, his people, the authority to enforce his dominion, to ensure that the enemy stays where he belongs. Everybody say this with me. He's under my feet. Come on, say he's under my feet. So let's receive it so we can achieve it. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.